Now, we've been on the subject of uh, true Christianity for, for quite a while now, actually. Uh, we've done uh, 12 lectures on this so far, and I'm quite keen now to finish this series. So I think I've got another two messages, well, today and the next time, to, to bring it all to a head. Because um, it is a real shame when we consider what is being touted as Christianity today to what Christianity really is supposed to be, what Christianity is according to our Lord Jesus Christ, the purpose for which our Lord came into the world, the purpose for which he came and had to endure that gruesome murder, you know, um, just to see you and I saved for eternity. Now, Jesus Christ did not come here so that we can all be rich and wealthy, which is what he's been um, which is what has been touted in a lot of, off of a lot of pulpits, or what we can call pulpits today. You didn't come here so that we can be materially wealthy and rich. There were rich people. There were very wealthy people in the world before Jesus came. So that's no big deal. And anyway, after we've gained all this reach and all the wealth, so what happens when we die after that? So if that is the sole purpose of man, to have lots of wealth and have fame and have lots of good things and riches... And then you die. People die at any age. Any of us can be called away from this world by the, uh, by the Lord at any time he so desires. That is one area where he has the total sovereignty over our lives. He determines how long we all have. And he's not under obligation to give anyone long, longevity of life. No, he isn't. He's not under any obligation to keep any one of us alive. He can do whatever he chooses with us anytime he chooses because he created us for his own purposes. It was at his discretion by his power and authority. So he has that power and authority of all our lives, whether you're a believer or not. Because some people think because they detach themselves from God, because they claim they don't know, there is no God. Oh, I don't want to believe all that. Oh, I don't believe Jesus. I don't need Jesus Christ. The thing they have, the, the, the supremacy over their own lives, the thing they have control. No, they don't have control. They don't. Nobody has control over life. Only the Lord has. And that's because he's the one who gives life. That a person commits suicide is not to say that he has control over his life. No, he's just been led by the devil to do the unthinkable, to do what he shouldn't do, because we do not have the right to take life, be it yours or anyone else's. Whether even it's an, un- an unborn child, which is why absolutely Christianity absolutely opposes abortions. We just don't have that right, because we cannot create life. That you can get into, have sexual intercourse and get pregnant does not mean you can create life. That is a gift of God. He gives it to whoever he desires. There are people in the world who have been married to one another for so, so long. And the people who have left this world and who will still leave this world without children. So it is a sovereign gift of God. So we have no right over, such, or over any life of any man whatsoever. So you see... People think they're in control because they say there is no God and they detach themselves from God. They're not in control. They're not in control. They cannot even determine what's going to happen to them to the right or to the left. They do not know. They just go. They go by, they live, well, they live by air, they take, shall we say, because really they say they're in control, but they're actually under the control of Satan. If you're not under the control of Christ Jesus, if you do not operate and live under the sovereignty of the Lord God Almighty, you are definitely under the control of Satan. That is why what you see on television will control you. That is why what the world says and what the world does will influence you. So you see, you're not in control. You're never in control. 
the TV adverts, all the they determine what you buy, and such things. The, you have all these models all over the place, all the skinny people running back and forth and telling you this is what your body ought to look like, and all the muscular men telling you this is what you ought to have, a six-pack and all that, and you chasing after such, you killing yourself to look like that. You're not in control. They are in control. The media is in control. The world tells you you're supposed to have fame and wealth and riches and all those things, and you go for it. That is because you're not in control. The world is in control. So you see, only those people, only those people who know Christ the Lord are not controlled by the world. Because I can look, and I look in disdain on the affairs of the world. Everything that the, that the world embraces, I reject. I absolutely reject them because these things have no meaning. They've got no eternal values. Absolutely no eternal values. So Jesus didn't come into the world so that we can all be rich and wealthy and famous and um, have prominent positions and own our own businesses and all such futility. It's all well and good. If God chooses to bless you, fine. But that should not be the core of your life. And he blesses. You know, if he chooses to, he does. Without you killing yourself. That's why Solomon, as wealthy as he was, blessed by God, he was enriched by God, Solomon was able to advise the rest of us in Ecclesiastes. He said, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. We see people wearing themselves out to get rich every day and every minute. And so their lives are being cut short. They, 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 they have a high blood pressure. They're dying prematurely. They're dying young because they must get rich, because they must have all these things. So you see, that's not why Jesus came. If Jesus came... So that we can have good health, because some people claim that all this healing ministry has been set up all over the place. Jesus didn't come so we can have good health. If that was the case, then sickness and every kind of illness would have been eradicated from the time Jesus was in the world and until, well, to this day. People were still falling ill after that and still dying of sicknesses, so that's going to keep on happening. Why? Because we live in a mortal tent that is subject to wear and tear. This body, this is not going to be our, earthly, uh, our worldly, uh, immortal body. This is our earthly tent in which our spirits live. It's just a covering. And it will be subject to all kinds of attacks, all kinds of situations and circumstances. So that's not why Jesus came. He came to reconcile us to God. Because we were cast aside by God. We were no longer worthy of the sovereign presence of the immortal holy God. Because we've been defiled with sin. And so Jesus came and reconciled us to God. And not just everybody, it's not automatic. It's if you come before him and seek that forgiveness, he will give it to you free of charge. But then you have to continue to live as one who has been ransomed and one who has been saved. And this is what brings me to what I'm talking about today, the kingdom of God. That is why Jesus came, to take us into the kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of God to us. And so all of us who are now born again into the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, those of us who have been rebirthed, and everybody must be, because Jesus said very clearly in John chapter 3, verse 3, he said, unless a person is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Definitely. I tell you the truth, he said. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So you want to keep on being who you were, and who you have been, because somebody's telling you that, oh, well, God, Jesus accepts you as you are, and he says, come as you are. Yes, come with your broken, fallen self, 
And then he renews you. He does not keep you in the state you were in before. No one who has had a true encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ remains the same as they were before they came to him. It is not possible. If you are still the same, if you're still up to your old antiques, if you're still full of the same greed and selfishness and covetousness and envy and jealousy and rage and every other filth that you had before you came to know Jesus or before you met Christ, then you never met him and you do not know him. So you see, today what we have in a lot of churches, and I mean the majority of what is called church, is a lot of encouraging the very things that Christ our Lord condemns. People have been encouraged to have more and have more and seek more and go for more and fight for more and, you know, just kill yourself getting more. Why? Because the more you have, the more you've got to bring into the church. The, 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 the higher your income, the more your income, the more the tithes that's going to be demanded off of you. Although, even though tithing, interestingly enough, tithing is not really the way uh, it is. Tithing is not a thing that we're supposed to be practicing now. It isn't. I say that and I maintain it and I know I'm a very, very minority who says that. But I don't care. That's what the Bible teaches. Biblical tithing is not what is practiced today. And anyway, if we want to keep up that particular old uh, covenant of tithing, or the, well, or the old command of tithing, why don't we just embrace all the other commands then that, that were effective in, that, in those days? We should be slaughtering sheep and lambs and doves and pigeons and everything. We should be. We might as well. If we're going to do it, let's do it properly. But I find it curious that the only Old Testament command that people have held onto that the church, well, mostly, not every church, I must say, but the majority of preachers have held onto, is that issue of tithing. And they tell you, you're robbing God. No, you're not. That message in Malachi was sent to the nation of Israel in those days for a specific reason, because they were not bringing in their third yearly tithing to the house of the Lord to provide food for the aliens, for the orphans, for the widows, and for the Levites who had no inheritance. But like I said, that's the story of another day. I can't go into that today because um, if I have to talk about this, I'll be on it for about an hour. And <laughs> I don't have that much time. So I'll get them back to what we're talking about. But if you need to know anything about it, do contact me. I'll give my details at the end of the teaching. You can contact me and I can tell you absolutely what the Bible teaches about tithing. That's why the apostles didn't talk about it. That's why Jesus Christ our Lord did not talk about it. The only time Jesus talked about it was when he was talking to the Pharisees, telling them off that they observe all the laws, they observe the laws of tithing and all that, but then they kind of, you know, they were filling in all the other aspects. They said, why don't you do the whole thing? Practice the entire thing. Be wholesome about it. Anyway, so, so people have been told to go for more and get for more and, um, you know, claim this and name that. You know, it's all about getting from God. The teachings today is all about getting from God. And the only time giving is talked about is when we're back on the issue of money, talking about you giving your tithes or sowing seeds or sowing covenants, all, always financial. That's the only time we talked about giving to the churches today, talk about giving to God. That is wrong. I don't mean all the churches, most. But that is so wrong. Because what we are supposed to be doing, the church is there to build us up for service to God. The work, the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Philippians 2.10. Good works which God prepared for us in advance to do. 
That is what we're supposed to be. That's what the church is there for, to build people up, to show people the way to the Lord. Sorry, Ephesians 2, 10, that was. You know, that is the purpose for which Christ came into the world. Because God created us for his purpose, for his glorious purpose. That we may be partakers of his divine nature. That's why he gave us all the sensibilities we have, which are different, totally different. The animals don't have, every other living beings don't have the, 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 the sensibilities that we have as human beings. That's why God created us in his own image and likeness. And he gave us of his own breath of life. We are the ones that in whom God has imputed the desire for worship. So people worship all kinds of things nowadays. But we're meant to only worship God, the true God. And that we cannot do outside of Christ Jesus, our Lord, who gave himself as the atonement sacrifice between you and God, or God the Father, God the Son. The only mediator between God the Father and man. I am not the mediator. No pastor is the mediator. No bishop, no prophet is the mediator. Every single servant of God or so-called servant of God, and I'm talking about the true ones and the fake ones put together, is a ransomed man, is a fallen human being. Although the fake servants are not ransomed yet because they're still walking in their sin and increasing it by their lies and deception. Still, so Jesus came and reconciled us. And what does he say about this kingdom of heaven? Because now people have the impression that the kingdom of heaven is somewhere you're going to get to eventually when you die. And so for now, let's deal with the affairs of today. And so for now, let's worry about the world and what we can have from the world and what we can get from the world and what we can be in the world, what we can attain and achieve and accumulate. But is that what the Bible teaches? Because the word of God clearly says that we are not to love the world or anything in the world. This is First John chapter 2. From verse 15 there it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and his desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So you see, you want to live forever? You have that. You will have that life now. Jesus has given eternal life to those who belong to him. And already we live eternally. When I leave this world, whenever the Lord chooses, when, so whenever at all he chooses that I leave this world, I will not be dying. Let it not be said. I tell my children that all the time. I said, when the Lord calls me away from this world, I would be dead to the world, but alive with Christ. Separated from this world. That's what it means. Death means separation. But eternal death is separation from God. And that's where a lot of people are headed. Because if you're separated from God here in this present world, you will be separated from him for all eternity. But if you are part of the kingdom of God now in this world, you will always be a part of the kingdom because that is the only kingdom that will stand forever. The only infallible kingdom. The only kingdom that will be after this world as we know it is no more before God renews the earth. Where he shall then put those who will live eternally, we shall once again live on the earth because God is going to renew all things. So if you're not a part of that life now, you will not be a part of it for eternity. 
So let's consider this. When Jesus started his teaching ministry, he chose the 12 disciples. He sent them out um, in John, uh, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to pick up with two extracts from here and there. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent out the, first, uh, the 12 disciples. For the first time, he sent them out on their own. Uh, for, from verse 5 to 7 there, uh, the previous verses name the, you know, the disciples, list them. And then it says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, he sent them up with that message. The kingdom of God is near. Why? They went as heralds to say Christ was coming. All the places that Jesus sent the disciples to, he then went to himself. But he needed them to go and tell the people to prepare themselves for the Lord who is coming, the Messiah was coming. The kingdom of God is near. The Messiah is here. That was the announcement. That was the announcement of John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. John the Baptist was, he heralded that message. He preached that message. And he began to baptize people with water in preparation to meet the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus sent the same message through the 12 disciples. And then, again, we'll see further on in um, Luke, chapter, chapter 10 of Luke. He now chose another tw- uh, 72 people to send out. Another 72 disciples to send out into um, different parts of Israel again. To herald his coming, his arrival, because he was now amongst them. So again, in Luke chapter 10 from verse 8 to 9, when uh, Jesus gave the instruction to the 72 he chosen, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is near you. See, the message again. Go and tell them. Go and announce to them. The Messiah is now near. He's amongst us. Now, they did not know. The disciples and the apostles, they had no idea what the kingdom of God was all about. What they were to find out because Jesus taught them all about the kingdom of God as he went along in his teachings. But he was the embodiment of the kingdom of God. And so he's sending them to the people. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you. In other words, the Messiah is near. The Savior is here. And he was the one to show us the way to the kingdom of heaven. Because before Jesus came, nobody knew about the kingdom of heaven. Nobody knew. Solomon in all his wisdom, he said in Ecclesiastes, he said, who knows what happens? When a, who knows whether, wh- whether man has a better fate than the, than the animals? I mean, when both die, he says, they both come to the same conclusion, to the same end. They both die. You know, they're both buried, animals and, and men. He said, who knows whether the spirit of man rises up, you know, when after man dies, or who knows whether that the spirit of the animal goes down. But then I can tell you now, we, we have knowledge of the word of God now, which um, <clears throat> we've got more revelation now according to our Lord Jesus, and we understand now a lot more about scripture since the coming of Christ and the Holy Spirit, that we know that animals do not have spirits. 
No, they don't. It is mankind who are spirits. That's why we don't die. When animals die, that's why God could give them, give us and say to us, we could kill the animals and eat them. Because they don't have spirits. Yeah, they are living beings, yes. I imagine God made them living beings for the purposes of recreation and so they could multiply for us, for the benefit of man. <clears throat> Still, I know the animal rights people wouldn't be pleased with me for saying that, but that is the truth, I'm afraid. I am not equal to a dog, neither are you. So there. <laughs> anyway, so Jesus said that. He said to them, let's go and preach the message the kingdom of God is near. Now, when Jesus himself was not going to speak in chapter 17 uh, of Luke, take it from verse 20 to 21. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Noble people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Now, that was what Jesus himself said. Jesus did not say the kingdom of God is near. Why? Because he was the embodiment of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is within you. He has the authority. So he, he could confer that unto anyone he chose, anyone at all. He could give eternal life and make, he give us the, the right to become sons of God. By becoming sons of God, we become a part of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. Because obviously the Pharisees had been hearing the um, apostles and disciples preaching the kingdom of God is near. They had John the Baptist preaching the kingdom of God is near. So they all looking eagerly, when is this kingdom of God coming? They knew the kingdom of God was going to come with the Messiah. Scripture taught that. But they were still expecting it. But they didn't think it was Jesus because they expected the desire to come with all kinds of every pomp and pageantry possible because it was the king. But no, Jesus came in meekness. He came in humbleness through a very humble uh, couple. He didn't come with noise and, and pomp and pageantry. So when you see said servants of God today strutting all over the place and bloating and, you know, boosting their own ego and proudly, arrogantly telling you about their might and their power and their abilities and their deliverances they do and the healings they do and how they can make you rich and wealthy. You better know you're not dealing with servants of Christ. They're working on their own and they're not working to themselves. They're working to Satan. Working on their own to Satan. They are not serving Christ. We cannot be... without Christ. We cannot not be like Christ and claim to be servants of Christ. It's not possible. And this is where we're going again today. Because Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not going to come by careful observation. It's not going to come someone who's going to tell you, oh look, there is the kingdom of God over here. Is the kingdom of God. No, it is within you. When you are a part of Christ, when you are born again by the Holy Spirit of God, you begin to see things differently. You understand now the purpose for which you were created. I was so elated some weeks ago in Bible study in church when I, um, I was having a Bible quiz. I do this every now and then just to make sure people are reading their Bibles and that they are understanding what they read. I have very inter- uh, I always have interactive sessions. I don't just preach other people. I teach. You know, We sit down and we talk. I teach and they ask questions and they tell me what their fears and their doubts are and we correct everything with scripture. That's the way it is. It's important for to me that people understand the faith they are pursuing or living in. So I asked the question, why are you a Christian? And the first person I asked, she said, well, I'm a Christian because 
I've come to the realization that God created me for his purpose to serve him. That is why he put me in the world and that is why I serve Christ. I was so, actually, I was so drunk with joy because quite honestly, the joy of any, any servant of God, any teacher of the word of God is to see the people responding positively, to see the people gaining understanding and knowledge. There is nothing, nothing more intoxicating for me, definitely. So, I was so pleased. And this is the thing. Once you now become one again, you understand that you now see things very differently to the way the world sees things. You see things from the eyes of God. So you don't have to run back and forth looking for prophets and pastors and and, and all sorts of sorcerers who under all kinds of Christian titles to tell you what God is saying to you about anything. Because you are a part of the kingdom of God. You will yourself with the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, you can determine what God is saying to you. You will know. You have daily dialogues with God. You walk with God. You sleep with him. You wake up with him. You do everything that you don't need anyone to tell you, oh, this is what God has said. Oh, no, God said don't do that tomorrow. Yes, there might be times when God will send a word to you from one of his servants, but you know what? You would have known it too. God would have spoken to you also so that you will not be confused when you hear it because God is not the author of confusion. But you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be that close to God. That intimacy is so vital. So what did Jesus say about the kingdom of heaven? About who will get there? Because now he says the kingdom of heaven is is within you. Now let us see. We go to the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. This is where Jesus says, So if you find that you do not fit in within what Jesus says here, then quite honestly, you're not saved yet. You're not saved yet. You just go to church for the sensation and for the good times and because you've been promised miracles and you've been promised breakthroughs and because you're seeking your physical healing, you don't know Christ. Those who know Christ, we, they don't care whether they have money in their pockets. They don't care whether they're suffering illness. They don't care whether they, have, whether they own houses or lands in this world. They don't care because those who know Christ, who are part of the kingdom of God, know that they belong to the kingdom that is supreme, the kingdom above all kingdoms. And we know what reward we've been promised. We know what our inheritance is. We know we're not looking forward to accumulating or achieving anything in this present world in that kind of way. No, because we know it's all futile. We know it's not going to stand. We know it's not going to last. So we're not bothered. We're not. We spend our time here pleasing God, serving God, doing the will of God. Because then we know that in that lies our reward for all eternity. So we're looking forward to it. We're doing our best to speed up the return of Christ. We're looking forward to the return of Christ. There's a very sad thing when I hear Christians say, I hope Jesus doesn't come yet. I'm not ready yet. What are you waiting for? You're not truly saved. Anyone who is truly saved is not terrified to leave this world in death. No, you're not. Because you know that when you do, when the Lord takes you out, it's because you're going to meet him. And it's a wonderful thing. I look forward to it. You ought to look forward to it if you really are saved. So Jesus says in, in, in chapter 5 of Matthew, blessed are the, verse 3, starting with that, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you see, you want to go to heaven? You want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? Are you poor in spirit? Being poor in spirit is saying those who have realized their own weakness, their own failings as a man, the poorness of their own spirit, that outside of Christ they can be nothing, they can do nothing. 
that they are nothing but sinful wretches until they come to receive the forgiveness from Christ Jesus. They are the poor in spirit. Not the people who uh, hold themselves up high in self-righteousness. Those who boast about, you know, I'm a servant of the Most High God and they tell you all their titles and, you know, told you, and the Lord told me this morning when I was in the shower and then I said, no, but Lord, and then the Lord said, oh, yes, but, and I said, oh, no, that's rubbish. Total rubbish. Stories made out of their own crazy imaginations. Anyone who walks with God is poor in spirit. Anyone who truly belongs to Christ is poor in spirit. You walk with him in humbleness because you know that outside of him and apart from him, there's no good in you and there's no good can come out of you and there's no good can come off you unless, except by the grace of God. You appreciate that grace. And once you've come to that knowledge of Christ, you walk in a quiet, submissive spirit. That is poor in spirit. You walk with the Lord saying, Lord, let your will be done. You walk with him in quietness and in submission, not standing tall and boasting and claiming and naming it because you're a child of the kingdom. So I name this and I claim that and, and I authority to say this. And you got no authority anywhere. Shut up about it and humble yourself before the Lord. Well, so to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Anything else you do not, do not, does not belong to the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We're not talking about those who mourn deaths of people who die every minute. People will always be, we will always have people dying from the world every second. People will, will keep on losing people every second. That's going to happen. That's just the way it is. <laughs> it's a recycling process of human life. <laughs> so that's not the mourning we're talking about here. Jesus was talking about those who mourn for the lost state of the world. Those who mourn over sinfulness. You see sin and you're worried about it. It bothers you. You mourn the death of people, not their physical death, but their spiritual death. When you look at people around you, even starting with yourself, of course, and just sit there pointing fingers, you've considered yourself. You've been saddened over the, the state of your sinfulness. And as such, you brought yourself low before the Lord and sought forgiveness. When you mourn, you, 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 you're sad. You mourn over sinfulness, yours and that of the world. The Bible says, Jesus said, they will be comforted. With forgiveness and peace. Because when you live in sin, when you're a sinful person, you've got no peace. There is no way. I'll put my last penny on it. You cannot tell me you live in sin or in any kind of sinfulness and say you've got peace. It is not possible. You may try and deceive others, but you cannot deceive yourself. You know within you, you're tormented. But then, Jesus said, when you mourn, when you're in a mournful state, when you're sorry, when you're pitiful about the state of your sinfulness, you will be comforted. With forgiveness and mercy. Okay. I'm going to have to leave it there for today. But next week we're going to continue with the Beatitudes. As we get in the kingdom of heaven. So we know who is there and who isn't. Because it's a shame when we say we cannot determine. Oh we leave that decision to God. Only the Lord knows who those who will be. No we can tell. Jesus told us exactly how we can tell those who belong to Christ and to those who don't. Those who inherit the kingdom of heaven and those who don't. Those who are already living in the kingdom of heaven and those who do not. Now, like I said earlier, if you do not live in the kingdom of heaven now, if you're not a part of the kingdom of heaven now, you will not be for eternity. So I'll leave it there for today. If you need any, um, if you've got any questions about anything I've said, or you need to contact me for any other reason, my email address is livingwordchurch at btinternet.com. 
I also have all of the 13 messages concerning the true church, the Christianity, true Christianity, that we've been talking about for the past four months now. I've got all the messages. I can make them available to you for free if you email livingwhatchurch at btinternet.com. Until the next time, I'm Sarah Jala Emanuel. God bless you. <music>